0: This is Evidence-Based GI, and I'm Philip Schoenfeld, Editor-in-Chief. Today, we'll be discussing the efficacy of Mercuzumab, an IL-23 monoclonal antibody, for the induction and maintenance of remission of ulcerative colitis. We'll be discussing a randomized controlled trial published in the June 2023 issue of the New England Journal of Medicine, and this is a particularly timely topic since mercosumab was just approved by the Food and Drug Administration for the treatment of ulcerative colitis. With us for today's discussion is our associate editor, Rahul Dalal of Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, and he summarized this New England Journal of Medicine study in the January 2024 issue of Evidence-Based GI. So welcome back, Rahul. And as always, let's start by discussing why is the treatment of ulcerative colitis with IL-23 monoclonal antibodies an important topic
1: for our listeners? First of all, thanks again for having me. And I think it's important to have this additional treatment option because it's Despite having an increasing number of approved therapies for moderate to severe UC, many patients will inevitably fail to achieve response or they'll lose response to therapy over time. The nice thing about specifically this pathway is that there's potentially a lower risk of infection and malignancy compared to some other classes such as anti-TNFs. So we think the IL-23 pathway has become an important one to balance balance effective treatment of autoimmune diseases while also minimizing adverse effects. Ustekinumab was the first drug approved for both Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis that targets this pathway, specifically by blocking the shared P40 subunit of both IL-12 and 23. And Mirikizumab is now the first drug approved for ulcerative colitis that selectively blocks the P19 subunit of IL-23, which is similar in mechanism to risen which is approved for the treatment of Crohn's, but not ulcerative colitis.
0: Do you think that may have any impact on efficacy, or or may have any impact on inflammation because it selectively blocks the p nineteen subunit of IL twenty
1: three? So it's a good question. Um, so we have some you know preliminary data to suggest that this more selective mechanism may be more effective in reducing inflammation, as we've seen in in Crohn's disease. A recent clinical trial that compared risankizumab to ustekinumab found greater efficacy with Kizimab for Crohn's disease. We don't have that data yet in ulcerative colitis, but it is uh, something definitely to consider as a possibility.
0: Right. That's something that was all the sequence study and was just reported at United European Gastroenterology Week back in October. And for endoscopic remission, as well as clinical remission, seem to show superiority in Crohn's for rizikizumab versus ustekinumab. But we don't have comparative data for mirikizumab versus ustekinumab in UC. This is really the the study that establishes that mirikizumab is a effective agent to use for ulcerative colitis. So, you know, can you tell us a little bit about the key points of the study design for
1: this trial? Sure. Um, So this was, importantly, a placebo-controlled trial. It was not a head-to-head trial, but it did assess typical endpoints such as clinical remission, clinical response, and endoscopic remission, in addition to other typical endpoints commonly assessed for ulcerative colitis. Mirkazimab was effective for all of these endpoints, including histologic endoscopic mucosal remission, but also resolution of bowel urgency, which is uh, a newer outcome that's being assessed as it's becoming an increasingly recognized symptom of importance for many patients with ulcerative colitis. And, you know, all this data together, uh, you know, tells us that, you know, given its effectiveness and favorable safety profile, merikizumab will be another reasonable treatment consideration for patients with moderate to severe UC.
0: And, and that's really a important point. And I, encourage our listeners to go back and look at the summary that Dr. Dalal wrote in the January issue of Evidence-Based GI, because this randomized controlled trial for induction of remission, and then the follow-on randomized controlled trial looking at maintenance of remission are quite detailed studies, and it's two complex for us to review all the data in detail during this podcast. But I do want to point out, so the initial RCT for induction of remission of moderately to severe UC patients were in 1,281 patients, and then they were taking a intravenous dose of mirakizumab 300 milligrams every four weeks for 12 weeks. And then among the patients who had clinical remission or at least a clinical response, they went into the second RCT for maintenance of remission. And for those patients, they were taking mirakizumab 200 milligrams sub-Q or placebo every four weeks. And, you know, just looking at the bottom line
1: results,
0: what are kind of the key points to emphasize in terms of magnitude of benefit?
1: The study found that merikizumab had essentially doubled the rates of clinical remission at week 12 when compared to placebo, and also double rates of maintenance of remission at 40 weeks uh, among those who had remission or response to induction. But there were uh, higher rates of herpes zoster infection in the merikizumab group. And this was, you know, importantly in a population where over 60% of patients had previously failed prior biologic for a JAK inhibitor.
0: These are patients who... Certainly always need to get vaccinated against uh, herpes zoster before or very shortly after starting treatment because we know this is a risk. But as you said at the beginning, generally, these more targeted agents are probably probably less likely to be associated with opportunistic infections or malignancy compared to, say, anti-TNF agents. When you think about all this data, I think I want to just bring up one point before we talk about how you're going to manage these patients in practice, and that is that this study also utilized a validated
1: bowel urgency responder tool.
0: You know, do you think that was important?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, including more patient reported outcomes is important, particularly when we want to counsel our patients on on different treatments, they might not be as receptive to hearing about endohistologic remission, but maybe more receptive to hearing about improvement in bowelurgency and outcomes that they can understand. So and, and bowelurgency is increasingly recognized as a key symptom related to quality of life in this population. So I think it's 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 great that this is now being included in clinical trials. And I hope to see this more in future trials as well.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree. I think in especially in ulcerative colitis trials, but certainly in in Crohn's trials too, having a specific bowel urgency responder tool is going to be helpful because bowel urgency is really problematic in my patients with symptomatic ulcerative colitis. Always worrying where a bathroom is in case they feel a lot of fecal urgency and they're worried about fecal leakage can be a real big problem for them. Taking into account what this data shows, how do you think Mirikizumab is going to fit into your management of all sort of colitis patients?
1: I would definitely consider this in any patient. Who I might also consider ustekinumab in. I think the Balergency data might help patients make an informed decision about potentially considering Mirikizumab. I do think, however, that we need at least real-world comparative data, if not clinical trial data, comparing mirakizumab to istokinamab, because at the moment, I would probably rank them somewhat equivalently in the absence of uh, directly comparative data.
0: Based on mechanism of action, we hypothesize that a medication like mirakizumab, by specifically targeting the P19 subunit of IL-23, might be more effective at managing inflammation compared to ustekinumab, which goes at the P40 subunit shared by IL-12 and IL-23. And certainly there's promising data for head-to-head trials of rizikizumab versus ustekinumab in Crohn's disease. But bottom line is you got to actually see head-to-head data in a randomized controllable trial to make any definitive statements about whether or not that difference in mechanism of action is really going to lead to a difference in clinical outcomes. With that, I want to again emphasize to our listeners that the Lucent-1 and Lucent-2 randomized control trials assessing the efficacy and safety of Mirikizumab for ulcerative colitis are very complex trials. And Dr. DeLal did a terrific job of summarizing this New England Journal of Medicine study, so please look for that in the January 17th new issue of Evidence-Based GI. And as always, thanks again for joining us today. Please remember to subscribe to Evidence-Based GI on your favorite podcast platform, and also please follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter, at ACG underscore EBGI where we host PowerPoint tutorials of our evidence-based GI summaries every Wednesday. Thanks again for joining us.